Hi, and welcome to Listen Up A-Holes, the only Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that is really starting to wish it hadn't eaten that Hot Pocket earlier. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. And I'm Joshua Unruh, superhero scholar from Pulp Diction Productions. Together, we're working our way through the entirety of the MCU, which is a gift that's quite destructive, but look at the music we can make. So listen up, A-Holes. We're going to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2, Episodes 17 to 19. All right, Lonnie, I'm cheating with one of my four-color facts this week. Oh, that's fine. Go ahead. We're going to talk about <laughs> Baron Strucker. All right, good. Now, look, I know Baron Strucker only shows up in name on these episodes, but my hands are going to be full talking about Ultron and the Vision mm-hmm. and Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch, so I am moving him here instead of Age of Ultron. All right. Also, neither MCU nor 616 Baron Strucker deserves to be part of the incessant shade I will bring to the Ultron (laughs) episode. (laughs) Okay. Baron Strucker first appeared in Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos number five in January 1964. Oh. He started out as a special Nazi agent ordered by Hitler to discredit the extremely effective Nick Fury for propaganda purposes. (laughs) Eventually, as the end of the Reich loomed, Red Skull sent Strucker to Japan to form a new organization that would survive the end of World War II. Strucker, Mm -hmm. being Strucker, went, but only so he could set the organization up for himself, not the Skull. He called it Hydra. Wait, so Strucker's the one who named Hydra? He is the one who started Hydra, who named Hydra, and who kept Hydra at arm's length from some other organizations over time. I always presumed that was Red Skull. Typically, the Red Skull was busy doing other things, and Uh and so was Strucker. Strucker in the comics started out very much as as sort of a foil to Mm -hmm. Fury and the Howlers, Mm -hmm. um, whereas Red Skull was like foil to Captain America. But then, yeah, Strucker is the I've mentioned this a couple times before, but and I don't blame you for it not sticking because he barely (laughs) gets any screen time. Yeah. In the MCU, considering that he was very important and and honestly, more important than the Red Skull through most of the 616's history. Wow. Yeah. Uh, in fa- I mean, in fact, Strucker's been all over the 616. Uh, he mm-hmm. teamed up with an Egyptian mentalist that the X-Men would eventually know as the Shadow King in order to discredit the English royal family. Wow. He's worked with the Hand to turn a toddler Natasha Romanoff into their master assassin. Oh, my God. He married the fourth richest woman in the world just to finance Hydra, but it turned out that she was a 175-year-old avowed (laughs) Satanist with her own designs. (laughs) He's traveled through time with the accidental aid of Dr. Doom. Mm -hmm. He's drugged Nick Fury, fought Captain America, stood against the Avengers, and barely had his monocle must in the process. (laughs) He fought Wolverine before he was Wolverine and also after he was Wolverine and lived to tell the tale every time. (laughs) Strucker has worn a piece of technology called the Satan's Claw and just deal with how extra that is. It's a phenomenon. Oh my God, really? (laughs) 
he's a master swordsman who has defeated the leader of the hand in personal combat. He's faked his death a dozen times or more, actually died once, yet always comes back more dangerous than the last time. Wow. He's been infected with the Red Skull's trademark death spores, only instead of killing Strucker, it made him effectively immortal like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> Which also made it so that should Strucker ever die in the short term, the, this would release the spores, taking everyone nearby with him. <laughs> wow. So he's kind of like the Forrest Gump of the the villains, right? He's just, he's, he's got a hand in he's everything. Really, because he was the Hydra guy. Like, he was Hydra right. for uh-huh. basically all of the the 616 until the last 15-ish years. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's everywhere. And and he was... Wow. Th- the, the Howling Commandos comic books were written in the 60s about World War II, you know? So uh-huh. you were actually having them tell Strucker during World War II stories very close to the time that they were telling stories about Strucker just showing up, still running Hydra, inexplicably youthful and vigorous, you know? <laughs> So he's over here messing with Captain America in the Avengers book while also messing with Nick Fury over here in the Howlers book with, you know, 20 internal fiction years in between them. It's yeah, he's all over the place. Oh, so List, the guy that we have in these episodes, like, is he not a part of the MCU or is he just kind of like the poor man Strucker that we're using before we get to Strucker? That's the big one. I could not Mm -hmm. find any connection between that character and a 616 character i'm not saying there's not one like it's possible there was a throwaway doctor list that was in one of these bigger hydra stories but it didn't ring any bells with me and i really did some digging because it felt like he should be yeah and he just isn't as far as i could find he may just be a placeholder yeah because we're not ready to go to strucker yet yeah well and then when we do it'll be for 10 minutes and it'll be the best 10 minutes that age of ultron (laughs) has (laughs) And then the credits will roll and the rest of that will start. And boy, that'll be an episode next time. So in short, yes, (laughs) Strucker is a really cool villain, right? Awesome. And also deserved better than the MCU gave him. But say la vie. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Right? (laughs) All right. Let's talk about Daisy Sky Quake Johnson finally. Let's. Yes, I've been waiting for this. Someone said Sky's real name out loud in shock of shocks. <laughs> it was Sky herself. There you go. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> Daisy Johnson, sometimes known as Quake, and at least in the 616, very rarely known as Sky. Uh-huh. Because as I mentioned, Marvel is really bad at brand synergy. Wait, so was she was Daisy Johnson, did she have an alias of Sky before the Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show. So people might have picked up on that even back then. Or was Sky something that was added because of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? That is exactly correct. It was added okay. because of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And All she's right. actually Sky on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. so that the nerds watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would not realize that they right. were doing Daisy Johnson things. Very cool. I like it. Yes. Yes. Very tricky. I mean, in fact, in the 616... It's the knockoff version of Coulson that gives her that nickname. Oh. And we didn't find that out until 2015. So she'd been around okay. for 10 years before we discovered that somebody gave her the nickname Sky. Uh-huh. And that's probably the point that I should mention. Comic book version of Daisy first appears in 2004's Secret War Number 2. 
Mm-hmm. So in the comics, Daisy is indeed the illegitimate daughter of Calvin, Mr. Hyde Zabo, and a prostitute because for fuck's <laughs> sake, Brian Michael Bendis, God. <laughs> Anyway, Mrs. Johnson gave the baby up for adoption, and she Mm -hmm. was adopted by the Sutters and named Corey. So she actually has yet another name. Wow, okay. As a quote-unquote troubled teen, because goddammit, Bendis, (laughs) she got into trouble for stealing some CDs. What a Mm -hmm. moment frozen in amber that story is. When confronted by the police after stealing the two CDs, her earthquake powers <laughs> manifested. Yes. She was taken into custody by S.H.I.E.L.D., where her true parentage was revealed to her by Fury when he gave mm-hmm. her an opportunity to join S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. She did so and graduated with top marks, which Fury said she would have had even without her powers. And at 18 Aww. years old, Fury gave her a level 10 clearance, the same as his own <laughs> and the highest in the world. And is it possible for a male writer to create a Mary Sue? No, I believe I believe we just saw it happen. <laughs> Listeners, a-holes. I know Mary Sues aren't an actual thing. Don't at me. But seriously, <laughs> Fury, Black Widow, and this rando 18-year-old have yeah, level 10 yeah. clearances. Shut up, yeah. Bendis. God. Yeah. <laughs> Daisy remained loyal to Fury despite that he was removed as director of S.H.I.E.L.D. and several mm-hmm. global arrest warrants were issued for him because yeah. he tricked a bunch of superheroes into declaring a secret war on Latveria, the <laughs> homeland of Doctor Doom which Doom rules with a benevolent but nevertheless literal and metaphorical iron grip. (laughs) When Maria Hill was named acting director, she removed Daisy from active duty due to this loyalty to Fury. Good choice. And I don't say that about Maria Hill very often. (laughs) Okay. When Earth found itself under a secret invasion from the shape-shifting scrolls, the still-wanted-for-starting-an-illegal-war Nick Fury contacted Daisy and had her recruit the descendants of supervillains in order to form a team to battle the scrolls covertly. Mm-hmm. Leading the secret warriors was the first time Daisy took the codename Quake. Uh-huh, very cool. Later, during yet another secret war, because I may have mentioned... That Marvel has a lot of those, like capital S, capital W, Secret Wars. (laughs) This one was against Hydra, though. Mm -hmm. Fury reveals to Daisy that Hydra had been running S.H.I.E.L.D. from the beginning. Daisy's covert squad investigated this and ran ops against Hydra and Leviathan for Fury. Mm -hmm. So once again, Daisy maybe not always backing the right horse. Way later, after Steve Rogers reactivated S.H.I.E.L.D. after it had been deactivated by Norman Osborn, a.k.a. the Green Goblin, a.k.a. Uh the Iron Patriot, a.k.a. the (laughs) Secretary of Defense there for a while. (laughs) It's a hell of a resume. It it is. I mean, yeah. (laughs) So after Steve reactivates S.H.I.E.L.D., he makes Daisy the director Mm -hmm. at the ripe old age of 20 or something. (laughs) okay you know during this tenure is when she recruited nick fury jr which still sounds like a saturday morning cartoon and our 616 phil colson knockoff now lonnie i know that you have a lot of questions about a phil colson (laughs) that showed up in the mcu at 25 years old after a whole bunch of other stuff happened and Mm -hmm. 
only hangs out with the Nick Fury, who is also junior and <laughs> happens to look like Sam Jackson. But uh-huh. I'm going to ask you to just let this one go. All right. Because none of the answers will make you happy. Okay. None of them. <laughs> okay. I accept that. <laughs> yeah. So Daisy has fought alongside various Avengers and groups of Avengers, including joining a secret Avengers under the leadership of Captain America. Secret Avengers for the Secret Wars. That's a, you are correct, <laughs> my friends. How do you friends. keep a war secret? Okay. <laughs> Chipperish patrons, if you are listening to this and you want to hear me make Lonnie read at least the original Secret War and discuss it with me so that we can talk about how you keep a Secret War secret. Okay. Let's you do it. You let I'm us in. know. I'm in. Yeah. A-holes, if you are not yet a chipperish patron, but you like the sound of that, go become one and yell at us in our Discord chat. That's right. (laughs) Now, I think at this point, I want to just mention something. Mm -hmm. Um, Daisy started out modeled after Angelina Jolie in Hackers Uh because Brian Michael Bendis is of a certain age. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Somewhere along the line, she began to be modeled after Chloe Bennett with no explanation whatsoever. <laughs> uh, Brand synergy be damned. That's the right all call. All right. Mm-hmm. Surprising literally everyone who wrote Daisy for the first 10 years of her existence, she has found a life all over Marvel games and animation, uh-huh. mostly thanks to her popularity on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I also find largely inexplicable. <laughs> and they had the foresight to make her an inhuman rather than a mutant. Mm-hmm. A development the comics eventually folded in with predictably Byzantine results. (laughs) For instance, rather than going through actual teragenesis like Sky did on the show. Yeah. Because Daisy appeared before that was a thing that was just happening to people in the 616 at large. (laughs) They established that her mother's genes were inhuman and Zabo's chemical experiments on himself triggered her powers without the Terrigen mists, which is like a weird flex, but okay. (laughs) Right, yeah. My favorite quake is actually in the Disney cartoon series, Marvel Rising Secret Warriors, drink. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Where she is a teen S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who goes a little bit rogue to recruit a small team of mostly inhuman super teens, Uh including Squirrel Girl and Ms. Marvel. Oh, awesome. This version is also voiced by Chloe Bennett, which means that I probably like her better animated than I do live action. (laughs) Quake's powers are frankly a thousand times more awesome on Agents of Mm -hmm. S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. The idea that she can manipulate the natural molecular vibrations of matter and make them obey her is dope as hell and much more interesting than shoots out vibrations (laughs) from her hands that cause earthquakes. (laughs) I mean, sure, that sounds fun at bachelorette parties, and we all loved it when she made Wolverine's heart burst inside his chest, but uh-huh. it's still kind of yawn-worthy in comparison to janks with the fundamental forces of the universe. Right. But it's pretty cool, though. I mean, we've seen some really cool, you know, Sky slash Daisy, I think, in these episodes. Yes. No. Uh, without giving too much away, she's kind of a standout, which... Yeah. As you guys hear me talk about these episodes is going to be damning with faint praise, but I don't mean it to be. (laughs) All right. Well, let's just go ahead and dive into these episodes and get into our episode summaries. (laughs) 
In Melinda, we go back seven years in time to find out what happened to May in Bahrain. Turns out our resident badass was just as much of a badass back then, but she did occasionally smile. She and Andrew were a happy couple trying for kids, but Coulson pulled her in on a mission with a gifted woman and her gifted daughter who fueled their powers on other people's pain, and their powers are mind control or something? We don't know. Whatever. The kid got her powers too early and went insane, and Melinda had to kill her and hasn't been the same since. Today, Bobby and New Shield are telling all of Phil Coulson's secrets, which includes some big operation called Theta Protocol, which no one in Coulson's Shield knew anything about, including May. She remains loyal to Coulson, but wants to know what's going on. In Afterlife, Jia Ying takes Sky under her wing and trains her to control her powers, eventually admitting that she is Sky's mother. But she asks Sky to keep it a secret because the people in this idyllic commune for the gifted might flip their shit and kill everyone if they find out. So, okay. Lincoln, the guy with the medical degree and not much else, spends his day delivering food and overhearing conversations. One of which is Raina saying she dreams of Sky with a bouquet of daisies eating dinner with her father. When Lincoln pops in on the exact scene, he realizes Raina's gift is full of psychic mojo. Also, Fitz manages to open Fury's toolbox in a bathroom and make contact with Hunter and Coulson, who teach him how to shake the new S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who are trailing him. Melinda aired on April 14th, 2015, and was written by Daniel J. Doyle and directed by Gary A. Brown. In Frenemy of My Enemy, Zha Ying decides to send Cal away from Afterlife under the guise of getting some of his things. Sky wants to go with him to soften the blow, and Jia Ying allows it, but she sends Lincoln along to tail them and keep Sky safe. Sky grabs a cell phone and calls Shield looking for Coulson. She gets May and asks them to come protect Cal and protect people from Cal. Meanwhile, Fitz finds Coulson and Hunter, who then pull in Ward and Agent 33 and Bakshi in order to get to Hydra and take out Strucker and List. Mike goes with Bakshi, and List is all blah 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 about quantum entanglement as they track Gordon's activity to Cal's office in Minneapolis. Hydra and Coulson's team both end up there. Cal fights Hydra, Lincoln tries to electrocute Mike Peterson, who he thinks is Hydra, and Bakshi captures them both. Back at New Shield, May and Gemma do some hacking and spy with Mike's little eye that Coulson is working with Ward. Skye darts around a corner in the building and sees them together too. Just as she's about to talk to Coulson, Gordon pops in and grabs her, and Cal hitchhikes back to afterlife with them. An hour later, Bobby and Max show up in the building and find Coulson in Cal's office. He surrenders to them. Frenemy of My Enemy aired on April 21st, 2015, and was written by Monica Owusu-Breen and Paul Zabzewski, and directed by Karen Gaviola. In the Dirty Half Dozen, Lincoln and Mike wake up in Hydra captivity, and List and Bakshi start operating on them. At S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ, Coulson makes a deal with Gonzalez. Fury's toolbox if Gonzalez lets Coulson take his team in to save Mike and Lincoln. Skye has Gordon drop her back with the team, and the band gets back together for one last trip round the Mulberry bus. Ward tries to address the awkwardness of being back on the team after, you know, trying to kill them all so much. The team decides to let bygones be bygones and focus on the mission, except for Gemma, who has a dark mission of her own. Bad girl shenanigans indeed. <laughs> She's out to kill Ward with a splinter bomb. They crash the Hydra stronghold and rescue Mike, but Lincoln was in the middle of being surgically experimented on when the team flicked on the lights and the Hydra cockroaches scattered, and his heart stopped. Sky uses her powers to restart his heart, maybe? 
Jim finds Ward alone and pulls out the splinter bomb, but Bakshi's compliance is rewarded with death when he attacks Gemma to save Ward and disintegrates into dust. Ward is disappointed in Gemma, but leaves her alive as he makes his escape. As the team retreats with the rescued people, May finds Coulson messing around on a computer and realizes he had another secret objective. She threatens to shoot him if he doesn't come with her now, and I don't think anyone would blame her. In Afterlife, Reina discovers that she has vision powers, and Jia Ying is not happy that someone can see that she's evil when she's gone to all the trouble to do such a terrible job of hiding it. Uh, asterisk. Lonnie thinks Jia Ying is evil, and I don't, and we're going to talk about it later. Jia Ying tells Reina that she's in charge and will make all decisions based on the visions, and Reina's about to challenge her when she has a vision of Loki's scepter and a great danger that awaits. Back at HQ, Coulson gets a call from Ward, who says he left Agent 33 there for her own good, because he's not a good enough man to get her through her trauma, and Coulson might be buying it, but hopefully not. Coulson tosses Fury's toolbox at Gonzalez, and then has a secret Skype call with Maria Hill. He sent her everything he's found on Strucker's location. Theta Protocol is ready to go, whatever the hell that is. And now it's time to call in the Avengers. Dirty Half Dozen aired on April 28, 2015 and was written by Brent Fletcher and Drew Z. Greenberg and directed by Kevin Tancheron. All right, see now, it's good that I screw up all the stuff and keep you on your toes during the recording of the show. <laughs> That's I, I mean, if I'd been a little quicker, I honestly would have had it figured out before. But I was like, oh, shit. What was the name of the good one of these three again? Oh, yeah, it was uh, D Dirty Half. <laughs> oh, I think they're all good in different ways. Oh, Melinda's not good. Oh, Lonnie, you are blind. OK, this I is actually going on air. OK. Because <laughs> I'm going to you are blinded by your love of this show because. <laughs> I think these episodes are pretty good. I mean, OK, Melinda's not great. It ends great with Fitz in the bathroom and um frenemy of my See, enemy is where this is what i'm talking yeah. about you have one moment in 44 <laughs> minutes you have 30 <laughs> seconds that isn't completely a waste and you go that's it the whole episode's great because it was fits that is not how this works it raises it raises the level of the okay the rest of the the episode is not that great but i mean the the dinner with um with cal is kind of cool and then in front of me and my enemy we have cal and uh and daisy off in minneapolis which is incredibly sweet all of that stuff is really great so i think this is the problem yes. is that i don't disagree with you that there are absolutely phenomenal bits going on in this yes. but they are just they are just like the delicious side order with a shit salad sandwich <laughs> all right well let's go ahead and start taking it all apart for people um let's start with may since we start with this episode with melinda now Everybody who's been following me for any period of time at all knows that I hate flashbacks. I generally hate flashbacks because all they do is give us this expositional backstory. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't change or reflect upon or do something with the current narrative or, you know, tell a complete story of its own, which I guess 
the Melinda flashback kind of does tell a story of its own, but I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it, it pays for its weight, you know, in the episode. And so like the flashback stuff, the going back to Bahrain, like we know something traumatic happened to her there. And honestly, like I would be fine with a throwaway line that says there was a gifted girl. She was going to kill everybody. Melinda had to take her out and she hasn't been the same since. Like that's 30 seconds. That's fine. Right. That's what we've had up till now. Right. Well, we didn't know that she had to kill a gifted girl, although there was that, right. that bit. There was that bit with let the girl go you know so i mean we yes, have yeah basically yes. i guess we do have all this yeah i don't think we, we need knew it. everything except for the fact that the person she had to kill was a child was a child and that the and that and we get this you know connection to afterlife with jai ying telling the story of what which happened is garbage. from the other perspective which is garbage and also another one of these like unbelievable what a coincidence that the very defining experience for may also happens to be tied into sky you know yeah um, it's terrible yeah it is anakin built 3po levels of terrible <laughs> it is unnecessary continuity wank i do yes. not approve Yes. No, it is. Absolutely. So, all right. So I'm not the only one then that, that hates this whole flashback nonsense. No. And it's, ugh, it's not even that it's a, fl- I mean, look, it's bad enough that it's a flashback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also a flashback that steals the coolness of not telling us. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then they throw some continuity wank on top. And I'm just like, you are all monsters. Why exactly. would you do this? It's just kind of a waste. And like, okay. I mean, and the one, it's it's kind of fun to see. Well, I don't even know if I really care because I like Melinda so much with who she is now that like, I don't care that she used to smile. Like it's, you know, and it's, it's, it's fun to see. I guess for me, it's fun to see Ming-Na do something a little different because they do not give May near enough to do in this show. You know, I mean, she's basically the big guy. She goes around, she beats people up and then she gives Coulson side eye every now and again. And like, that's all she's really given to do, you know? And um, so, I mean, I like it when they give her more to do. So it's fun to see, like for me, and this is really extra textual. It's fun to see Ming-Na do something a little different. Yeah. Aside from that, I just, I don't care about it. And we go through this whole cavalry thing. Like, we've gotten all of that through context clues that have been dribbled in, which, by the way, is how you do your freaking exposition, how you do your backstory. Yes. You throw in a context clue when it's appropriate, when it fits into the current narrative, and then you leave it and you let people figure it out. Because we had 95% of this already we didn't need the rest of it and having may's backstory have a little bit of ambiguity and it allows us to imagine it in a way um that that fits in with like however your vision of this universe is you know and then when they go in and they after having laid so many context clues after having us all kind of imagine it for ourselves to go in and give us a reality that is you know consistent with the clues but not necessarily what people were thinking you know not revolutionary really yeah and it doesn't do and that's the thing like it doesn't pay for its weight in the episode or in the show because it doesn't give us anything interesting. It doesn't unlock any mysteries for us. There's nothing that we learn there that we don't, you know, that we don't, uh, we haven't already learned on certain levels. Like, it just doesn't do anything. And so it's just a waste of time in the middle of, you know, there's other stuff going on. I mean, I'm not real excited about a lot of the other stuff that's going on, but. Oh, fair enough. But I mean, there but, but it's also been. in the present, right? Yeah. Like it's also immediate. It matters. Yeah. So, so here's a here's your writing advice for the day, based on the episode, <laughs> Melinda, yeah. is that putting your prologue 
in the last third of your story does not make it better. No, no. That it's prologues still a prologue. are bad enough. It's egregious. Prologues Don't are bad it. enough at the beginning of a story, but wedging it in, you know. It's like a Trojan horse. Oh, seriously. Were you interested? Here's a useless prologue. <laughs> a Trojan sucker. horse full of poop. I mean, it's just, there's nothing. <laughs> it's not even anything interesting. It's not even yeah. like, you know, enemy warriors coming out of it. It's just a Trojan horse of poop. So there's nothing really interesting in it. It drives me crazy, but I know that I have, you know, like I have this prejudice against this kind of flashback and other people may like it. So if you do go ahead and at me, but I just think it's terrible and, and a waste of time. And honestly, I forget it most of the time. Whenever I get to this episode, I'm like, oh God, this, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the... It's like the missing stare episode. What yes. is this? I tripped over this. What is this? <laughs> it's just not that interesting. But I like, you know, I mean, in the now we're getting May put in charge of the base, you know, yeah. which I think is good. I like her, you know, talking to Gemma, dealing with all that stuff with Gemma. And then, of course, completely betraying <laughs> Gemma, telling Bobby about the about the toolbox. Oh, um, that was beautiful, oh, though. Like, God, that is, I know. I love that. That is proper spycraft right there. Yeah. That is the, listen, we cut out. We blame the guy who isn't here because he's not here. Exactly. You're an asset and I am preserving you. And I'm you. protecting you. And I love, I love how pissed off. Gemma is about that because everything for her in these episodes is all about fits. You know, everything is about fits. And she's like, well, it's about damn time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, but you know, back to May, like here we have May, she's given control of the base. She's working with Bobby and Gonzalez. She's finding out all of these things. What the hell is Theta protocol? I don't understand what he's been doing. He said he was going out and recruiting people, but he's been doing something else. And like that sense of, she and Coulson are tight. And when S.H.I.E.L.D. was no longer a thing, you know, like Coulson's entire world became about this team. And his first loyalty, you would think, would be to that team and not lying to them. But then here he is lying to May, you know, because you're not director of S.H.I.E.L.D. And she's like, well, neither are you. And I'm like, yes, May. Thank you. Point <laughs> that today. shit out. Exactly. You know, so um, so I thought that that was really interesting. And I like this moment that we get from her at the end where Fitz is like, you know, working in the one room and these guys come in and he's just basically about to get killed. She's in the middle of arguing with Coulson. She shoots twice, takes them both out. And then she's like, you're next if you don't get your ass out of that chair and come with me now. <laughs> beautiful. It's that. beautiful. I think May should be about ready to kill this guy. She remains loyal to him through everything, and he was lying to her. That's my concern, mm -hmm. is that they have written her to a place where she should be very angry. Yes. Pers she should be personally and mm -hmm. professionally hurt by these yes. secrets. And mm -hmm. I'm just not sure that it's going to matter narratively. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It seems like they're already setting her up to just kind of breeze past it, and I don't. I don't know. Don't yeah. say. I'm not going to say. I will say I very much enjoy the moment where she threatens to shoot him. Yes. Because that's where she that should moment. be. That's exactly where she should be. You know? Yes. And the thing is, is that like with all of this, you know, May and Bahrain bullshit, right? Um, one thing that we get is that we see how incredibly close she and Coulson are, that he's yes. the one who's there for her. She breaks down in his arms, you know, like she trusts him. 
And I mean, I'm granted, you know, it wasn't that long ago, I believe about a season uh, when she was reporting on him to Fury. So I mean, like, you know, there is a certain level of we're spies. This is what we do. You know, but she was also pissed because he was lying to her, not just about the stuff that he was doing, but he lied to her about Andrew. And she's like, this is personal. That's my ex-husband. You know, like there's a certain there's a certain like you can lie to me about certain things but not about my personal life, you know, not about things that affect me personally. And I think that like, you know, I get that too, but I like that she had control. I like that she was making choices. I like that she sat Gemma down and was like, I just saved your life. You're welcome. Um, You know, I like that she (laughs) threatened to shoot Coulson, that she's had enough of his bullshit, you know, but she still maintains her cool. You know, I mean, when May's the difference between May when she's thinking about making a sandwich and May when she's seriously pissed visually is not that much. Cannot tell by looking. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what I love about her. But she is dangerous. She thinks things through. She's very cool. I mean, I just I I love her. So having that backstory with her, even though I I am completely against it and if I was in charge would cut it. Absolutely. Um, I do like that we get that closeness between her and Coulson and then we see, you know, what what he means to her personally, like how much he was a part of her life, you know. Um, And uh, and so, I mean, I I like that. I feel like we've already got that to a certain degree. We don't need it. And this definitely doesn't give us enough of it to make it worth it in the narrative. Um, But the other stuff with May, all the stuff in the now with May, I am completely on board. I love it. Yeah, it's good stuff. It, mm-hmm. th- that's the good spy show stuff that I'm kind of here for. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, I like it. Um, the stuff that I don't really care about and that I'm completely bored with is all this like New Shield stuff. Oh my God, We got yes, Bobby God. and Mac and Gonzalez. And then we have this big discussion where Bobby and Mac are like, yeah, Coulson's really not the enemy. He's, you know, he's just trying to do this. Like, you knew that you were working with him before. So like, why go through this whole super sh- shady spy nonsense and not just have Gonzalez and Colson meet and talk? Like, I mean, okay, I get but, it. But, but, yeah. They say that. They say that, true. While they have literally been right about every shady ass thing Colson did. And they're uncovering all the things that he lied to May about and they're telling right. him, him about or her about uh, Theta Protocol. It doesn't and, look yeah. good. Yeah, it makes you like, because the thing is, is that we have this moment where they're like, oh, you know, Colson's a good guy and Hydra is really what we should be concentrating on. I'm like, well, it seems to me, since the whole reason why you guys are doing what you're doing is because you got attacked and like mostly killed by Hydra, the Hydra would be your focus, you know, and that Colson running his little side business is not necessarily Colson's <laughs> side hustle shield is not going to be a big thing on your radar, right? Um, but. Oh. Yeah, but we have to have now. this moment. Like, we have to have this moment where um, where they're like, oh, well, you know, Coulson's not so bad so that we can have our forgiveness, you know, <laughs> moments later. And it does feel a little weird and a little inconsistent. Like, either you think you're right or you didn't do this because these are all thoughts and information. This is all information that you had a month ago before, you know, you blew up the base and kicked him out, you know? Um, In fact, yeah. the mm-hmm. thing that they are saying now yeah. is what they should have been saying a month ago. Yes. And what they were saying a month ago is what they should be saying now. Yes. Yeah. It's really right on the edge of nonsensical. It, it is a little bit. I mean, basically what the show is doing is it's defanging their betrayal. And I don't want to do that. 
Like, I don't think we should defang their betrayal. I think that they should have to earn their way back. If, if we're ever going to have this whole crew back together again, which is, you know, clearly what they're setting up, um, you know, people need to earn their trust again, especially because we're contrasting this with the getting the team back together, you know, storyline with Ward. So we have that going on at the same time that we have this going on. And it's, it's a little bit weird. I do like, though, I do like the scene with Hunter and Mac. I like the scene where Hunter sits down and Max like, you know, I'm sorry, man. I hated doing it. I had to do it, you know, and there and and Hunter's just like, all right, I get it. And I think that Hunter would like they're spies. This is kind of like what they do. I mean, he won't talk to Bobby yet. You know, Bobby's a different thing because Bobby's personal. Max a friend, but it's not not the thing that Bobby was. But I actually like that moment. And I know that you don't like it. So. No, I do not. Yes. Because if the defanging of the betrayal is the tuberculosis, then mm-hmm. that scene is a hard cough. Is <laughs> Doc Holiday with a bloody handkerchief? Is that what this it's is? It's the same stuff, Lonnie. You just really like Mac. Oh, I really and like Hunter. Hunter and Mac. I do. Uh-huh. Okay. And so they're on screen together. This is Fitz in the bathroom all over again. <laughs> like. This is All a ball right. of garbage, but they, right. I found one good thing in it, so it's great. No, okay, mm-hmm. here's here's my argument. One, Hunter is not personally invested in any of this. He's just kind of there because he's there. I mean, he's a little more personally invested, I think, with Coulson since he made that choice, you know, to go and join Coulson's side of this. But overall, he's like, whatever, we're spies is what we do. I think Bobby would bother him. And the betrayal from Bobby would bother him more than necessarily the betrayal from Mac. Although I like that moment where he's like, you choked me out and kidnapped me. A round of drinks is the first thing in a long, long, long list of things you're going to do for me. And I thought that was really sweet. But the Hunter and Mac thing, like I get the I get the forgiveness there with Bobby and Mac and this team, you know, uh, Gemma, Fitz, Sky, Colson, May, who were all betrayed by Ward to to like a very deadly degree not that long ago i think that that side of this forgiveness and this potential like you know realignment is a little bit harder than necessarily hunter's side because hunter has hunter's kind of he just doesn't seem to care that much so for me i buy it with hunter mac more than I do, like, you know, this thing that we're setting up where Bobby and Mac aren't so bad so that we as an audience are ready to forgive them after everything that Ward did. While we're watching, you know, Ward and, and the other, you know, storyline in these episodes, um, it feels it feels like a little bit much. But I, I'll, I accept Hunter and Mac, though. I will push back lightly on okay. Hunter and Mac in okay. this way. Okay. You feel that Hunter is not taking it personally yeah. or shouldn't take it personally. I don't want this to go too dark a place, but maybe I could handcuff you to my bathroom sink for a week and see if you take it personal. (laughs) Right, but we're not spies. They're spies. This is what they do. They lie to each other all the time. It's kind of part of the thing. And also, you keep trying to separate Mac's betrayal from Bobby's betrayal. They are the same betrayal. Like, Mac is basically doing stuff more or less because Bobby told him to, sort of. Uh, yeah. It should all be a bundle. And it's really, anyway, there's... There is, over the course of these three episodes, Mm -hmm. a whole lot of hand-wavy, we'd like to get everybody back together, please don't look too closely at our scripting stuff. (laughs) And maybe I wouldn't have noticed one or two of them, but if you're just going to keep slapping me across the face with it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, fair enough. Like, I see your point. I see your point. The, The scene itself works for me, but I see your point. 
I'm letting it. I'm just letting it go. I'm okay. just going to keep pointing out whenever you find a gem in the garbage that you're like, <laughs> never mind. It's wonderful. I'm, I bet it's going to come up some more. This I just feel like moment it. is good. Whatever. Anyway, let's go again to Ward. <laughs> let's just go ahead oh. and move on to Ward. Um, okay, so uh, here we have we had this whole thing like a couple of episodes ago with um, Warden Agent 33 in the diner where they kidnap the scientist, right? In the most ostentatious way possible. And then here we have, you know, Coulson walking in, gun drawn to come in and say hi to Agent 33, right? Um, And again, it's the kind of thing that draws attention. And like the whole thing about being a spy is that you're supposed to be into like subtle stuff. You're supposed to blend in. I mean, am am I missing something? Well, I I may have mentioned that I'm not super impressed with the characterization of literally everyone. (laughs) And there's a place where you can make the argument that like shit's real now. So Mm -hmm. the kid gloves are off, except nobody actually takes the time to make that case. We're just supposed to pick up on it. Right. If Ward was there, that's one thing. But it's it's Agent 33 and they're getting her. And then when Ward calls or when she calls, he calls Ward and he says, hey, honey. And he's like, hey, sweetie. That was kind of fun. Yeah. No, look, again, we can have interesting moments and character beats, <laughs> but there's a whole lot of WTFery going on to get us to those bits. And there I mean, I don't really care about Coulson walking in with a gun. Agent 33 is also a very dangerous person oh, and we don't enough, have time yeah. for messing around. I yeah. mean, nobody actually says that out loud, but we, you know, we get it. And it's there's fun. nobody else really in the restaurant as opposed to the diner, which was full of people just trying to enjoy some pumpkin pancakes. Well, I you think know? there's like one guy in the <laughs> restaurant, like, like the owner, guy? like he, the cook. <laughs> and that, that guy's got to be like, listen, I don't care as long as you guys are going to buy some plantains. Exactly. Can you have some fried plantains? <laughs> So anyway, we've got Ward, you know, regardless of of how he came back, we've got him. We're now all working together again. We have all these shifting allegiances. And I I usually find shifting allegiances fun. um, But Ward has has worn out any welcome he's ever had with me. You know, what? Um, yeah. So I'm kind of okay. Here's the thing. I love Brent Dalton. Um, I love his performance. I always enjoy seeing Ward. Um, but like, you know, within the show, like nobody should give him, nobody should turn their back on him for, for a second. And then Colson yeah. makes him this, makes him this offer of, here's the thing. You do this stuff for us. We wipe your memories and then let you live. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's quite a mixed bag of a deal. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. I mean, Hey, we can, we can use technology to rearrange your brain or we can do sure. it with a bullet. What do you like, <laughs> right. Ward? I'll just reach up there with an ice pick and scramble it around through your nostrils. Like whatever works for you. Whatever you like. Yes, exactly. Um, So I think it's, it's kind of fun. You know, I like Hunter where he's like expedient alliances with despicable characters. Ward is a psychopath, but for now he's our psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's a real spy thing Mm -hmm. to say. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is what we do. Sometimes we got to trot out the person who's way too good at despicable stuff. I know. But I love, I think my favorite thing, though, is this moment where, like, Ward and Agent 33 are having their, like, romantic moment with the plant in the back of the car and planning their home. And then they come and get him and go around to the back of the car. And there's Backsheet just in the trunk. (laughs) Will my compliance be rewarded? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, wow. Yeah, the, Mm -hmm. the... 
the domestic weird bliss of mm-hmm. uh, Warden 33 is is quite a thing. Quite it is. Thing. It's interesting and it's kind of fun. You know, um, so I actually I do like I like the Warden 33. It's sick and twisted. Um, I, I love, you know, her struggle with her identity story, you yeah, know, and like yeah. all of that stuff. And now she's got her face back because she got a picture from her mom, you know, so we don't have to do all this like really expensive, you know, body swapping stuff where <laughs> where uh, poor Ming-Na is doing like five different, you know, uh, characters at the same time. So I like all this stuff. Um, you know, we've got the evil Hydra people. We've got Bakshi back with Hydra never knowing like what Bakshi's going to do. You can't trust Bakshi for a second. Like, is he really under Ward's control? And being under Ward's control, is that necessarily a good thing? And like, you know, <laughs> then they keep changing the plan. He takes Peterson with him and all this. Stuff. It's just crazy. And you never know what the hell's going to happen. And I kind of I kind of like it. I kind of enjoy it. Bakshi is one of my favorite unexamined yeah. bits of plot that's going mm-hmm. on here. Yes. Because when... When Ward said, well, mm-hmm. I told him to act like himself until I showed back up. I was like, whoa, shit. <laughs> That's not good. That's right. you might want to be more acting specific. Like himself is not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, well, that's Pandora's box wide open. Enjoy. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's actually is really really fun. I think I think the moment when they open up the trunk is just like one of my favorite things. Oh yeah, he just he's like a puppy. <laughs> he Hi, is like I'm so glad that you let me out of the trunk. <laughs> you know, it's just awful. I I also love this moment where um where Ward and 33 are you know flirting while they're flying the plane, <laughs> and Hunter's so grossed out. He's like, I think they actually like each other. Well, I know, because it is gross. It's yeah. like, just look up there, those mm-hmm. freaks. Yeah. No, it is. It's it's really gross, but it's kind of fun. And I and I sort of like it. I sort of like it in a bad way. Yeah. They they are the kind of couple that would give each other Valentines that are actual hearts. Yes, exactly. You exactly. know, and just be like, I They're love you more than Drusilla. even infiltration and murder, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's um, it's they're just fun. I just I really enjoy them. Another spinoff show that I'm mad didn't happen. We're up to three and this one involves Ward. So right. what? <laughs> Could have been fun. Didn't happen. Um, All right. So back to the romance, of course, that, that lights up my heart, you know, Fitz and Simmons. Um, You know, we have them separated for a little while. We've got uh, Fitz unlocking the toolbox in the bathroom and escaping to meet with Hunter and Coulson. I love that. I love where he's like, maybe you could show me how to shake a tail like now, you know. So the only reason I don't love that mm-hmm. is this is one of those places where I feel like you can tell two different people are writing two different scripts in two different yeah. rooms and didn't mm-hmm. compare notes mm-hmm. because uh, Hunter's all, hey, is there one of those uh, hand drying machines in there? <laughs> yeah. Then you're going to be fine. And mm-hmm. the next time we see Fitz in the next episode, he's just like walking fast down the street. Right. And I'm like, that's wait, what? We didn't huh. see, yeah, we didn't even get to see what he did that would make him fine, you know? And yeah. Like, yeah. Or mention it again. And I was like, mm-hmm, 
somebody didn't compare notes. Yeah, I mean, I wanted that scene. You know, I wanted to see him using the hand dryer and how, because part of the fun of the spy show is like, not just the trinkets that they have, but the things that they do with the ordinary stuff they can just find lying around. You know, I mean, that yeah. could be really, really fun. One of my so, top five favorite parts of Burn Notice. You know, I know. Just... Oh, God, yes, absolutely. That was great. Um, so, I mean, but, you know, Fitz gets away. He runs off. You know, he joins up with them. It's very, very cool. And then when Ward comes in, you know, his whole demeanor, he's completely shook by it, whereas like his leg is shaking and he's touching the gun. And then when he just Ward says like two words to him, and he just launches at him like is going to kill him. And um, and it's really sweet later on, too, when he's back at headquarters with Gemma and he's like, I attacked him back on the jet. Hunter had to pull me off of him. <laughs> Oh, it's, just, it's so neat. I like it. Okay. I like Fitz. I like, okay. Fitz's, you know, Fitz's dark side. No, I like I like that bit, that little mm-hmm. scene with Gemma where I'm just like, and here's everybody enjoying a pleasant little fiction. <laughs> All right. You know, Fitz and Simmons have things, have discussions that they need to have. Clearly, there are talks that need to be had, but they have this this like kind of general unspoken acceptance of each other. They just are who they are. And when they're together, that's who they are. So I accept that. There is there is a discussion. There's a conversation that has to be had with these two, but it's just not being had yet. I accept that that is definitely what the people who run the show want me to have. <laughs> and since apparently we're going to do that whether I like it or not with okay. very little justification, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Dark Simmons, right? Yeah, let's do that. I like that. Man, yes. Yes. Simmons making the decision to get some revenge because this is revenge. Yes, it is. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. revenge is dark. And she's just like volunteering for missions with mostly not bullshit reasons. Oh, yeah. No. And she's like, this is something that I have to do when she wants the mission, you know, Um, and is explaining to Coulson why she needs to be on the team um, because she wants to kill Ward. And it's all about killing Ward. And then um, when Mike says, I'm surprised you'd sign up for a mission with Ward involved, Gemma says, I saw the opportunity to do the right thing and I took it. And here she has the right thing. Right. Exactly. Because that's what she sees, you know, and this is about Fitz. This is absolutely, I mean, he threw her in the water too, you know, but this is about what he did to Fitz. It's about Fitz and the relationship she lost with Fitz because of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what it's about. If Fitz had come out of that okay, if they were both okay, this would not be happening right now. But I love this, like, and this is what I talk about. And I'm sorry, like, it's, it's a slight spoiler to say what doesn't happen. But like this turn for Gemma, this going into darkness, I want that storyline, you know, and there's this yeah. sweet moment, like, because we see Fitz going after Ward, right? But he goes after Ward in an environment where nothing's going to happen. Like, he's not, like, he's not realistically going to be able to kill Ward. They're going to pull him off of him. And that's why he feels free to do it, because he knows somebody's going to stop him, right? It's also not a plan, Yeah, right? it's like, not. It's just a moment, right? has flown off the handle at some yeah. point in their lives. They mm-hmm. get it, right? Yeah. But Simmons is calculating this. Simmons is. She is calculating this whole thing. And um, yeah, no, I love this whole bit with her uh, where she's going dark. And she's pulling away from Fitz in that, too, because she's not telling him. But then there's this like where the the team split up and Fitz goes with Coulson and them. And then Gemma goes with Skye and Ward and and Bakshi. And um, 
And then Fitz just says like to the air, she can't hear him, but he just says, be careful, Gemma, you know? And it's such a sweet moment. And we see like the light in Fitz that Fitz, Fitz through this whole thing has changed, but the core of who he is remains unchanged. And Simmons came through it without having physical change, but the core of who she is has changed dramatically. You yeah, know? it feels like it should have. Yeah. 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 And so I really, I love that about these characters um, and watching them play. But at the same time, it doesn't feel terribly deliberate. Like they're really actually going to do something with this. And I want them to desperately. I want them to. And and this is a place where I feel like the way TV shows are put together mm-hmm. undermines more interesting options. Yeah. Because we know they're not killing off Ward, obviously. But mm-hmm. really... Bo- getting Bakshi instead robs Gemma of a character moment that could have been amazing. Yeah, right. And instead, it's just like nothing. It's really uh-huh. nothing. Yeah. We just but kind it of could have been it. momentous. Right. Because yeah. the choice is everything. And the thing is, like, here she has this choice. She can kill Ward or not, but she's not struggling with that choice. She's absolutely committed to make that choice, you know? And had she actually killed Ward, you know, um, that would have been a really interesting thing to see her go down, like a path. Like once you make that commitment, you do this thing, you have the vengeance. You know, it shows you the dark splashback of vengeance. Yeah. I mean, there's all yes. sorts of really interesting things in there. But Bakshi, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody even thinks to ask about him. She kills Bakshi. And it's like, whatever. He's dust. You know, well, I guess it. somebody says one time. Right. She's like, he didn't make it out. And right. I'm like, that actually is kind of that was the. That was the line that made me realize that a real opportunity had been lost because I was yes. like, if they'd asked about Ward and she said something like that, there would have been like a, I think we're going to need some details. Gemma. Right, right. But for Bakshi, everybody's like, eh. Yeah, no, seems legit. <laughs> it was just a matter of time. Yeah, really. All right. So let's move on to Sky because I think that Sky in these episodes gets really interesting. Yes, sort of. <laughs> It's... All right. All right. So you have been, I think, more lukewarm on Sky than I have been generally throughout. And most of that is because I, I, I know what's coming. But I think the stuff that I like in Sky, what I like, pretty much starts here. Okay. Okay. You know? Yeah. It's the end of season two, but okay. Well, yeah. I mean, no. And, and I got to, you know, there were little things. But where I start to actually, like, really start to like her. <laughs> <laughs> is is in this this whole run here into the rest of the series. But I mean, I like, um, you know, she's I, I like that she's working with her powers. Like unearned yes, power yes. is a thing that drives me crazy. So here we have this power that she's given. Right. And she's earning it by working with it, trying to find a way like even back in the retreat cabin. Right. When she was futzing with the water and making like, you know, things with it like she's learning what her power is. She's trying to take responsibility for her power. She doesn't want to hurt anybody. Um, you know, I like all that. She's discovering like the moment with her mother, you know, with yes. Ying yeah. telling her that, you know, she was, she's like, I don't know when my birthday is. And then she's like, it's July 2nd. And that whole realization, that revelation I think was, um, was really nice. And I felt for sky. And, um, and so I like all of that. Um, you know, Jia Ying, okay, maybe maybe we should also take this as an opportunity to talk about Jia Ying and how completely fucking evil she is. Well, I'm assuming you know things I don't know because all I'm seeing on screen is someone who's willing to go to any lengths to protect her set of people. Well, no, there is that. But then there's the moment where Jia Ying is, you know, is telling her daughter, I am your mother. 
and then says, our people have very strict rules. They may perceive you as a threat. They might flip their shit and kill you, which is the subtext of that. And I'm like, okay, now that is not the idyllic commune place where everybody's safe and happy that that we've kind of been told. And so, like, for me... But you were told that by Lincoln, who clearly knows fuck all. Well, okay, fair enough with Except that. Except when he we knows everything, but Ex- we'll get to it. Well, because he's always delivering the food. And I right. think that having your your medical staff, like the doctor, with the, with the guy with the doctor degree, deliver the food to everybody, uh, first of all, is humbling, which I think is a good thing for Lincoln. Um, and uh, on top of it, he gets to eavesdrop on everybody and find out everything. But, like, right in the next scene, after Jai Ying says, nobody can know that I am your mother. You know, Sky and Lincoln are just sitting there playing backgammon. And and Lincoln's like, yeah, you know, he totally knows it's her mother. <laughs> like she is either told yeah. him or he was delivering food and overheard or like, I don't even know. Um, but he knows. So what's up with that, I guess? It's been a minute since mm-hmm. somebody knew something in the MCU because the script told them. Right. But here it is again. Here it is. Yeah, there's really no reason. Did he know before and not tell Sky? Then Sky should be mad. Yeah, who the hell knows? Or did she just tell him and we missed that part of the scene or whatever? But he's like totally, you know, like she's your mother. There you go. You know, I mean, he knew that Cal was her father, you know, but I don't know. So anyway, all of it, all of it was real. But like Xia Ying, there's a couple of things in these episodes that that tipped me off to her like right away. Um, You know, the way she is with Reyna. You know, where she's like, oh, Reyna can see things, can she? <laughs> Does she right. know how evil I am? Um, and then when she goes in and she's like, just so you know, bitch, uh, if you have a vision, that's mine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, she goes sending Cal away without telling him, without being honest with him, um, you know, and not caring about what happens to other people at all. Like, I understand that she's there to protect her people. But if her and if it comes down to a choice between her people and other people, then she will choose her people. But here it's not necessarily like she can protect her people from him and protect other people from him, and which is what Sky's trying to do. And I actually think it's a really nice bit of characterization for Sky. Yes, Sky comes out of this in a good way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't now listen. It is 2019 <laughs> and I am not pro authoritarianism. Right. <laughs> but that's really all Xia Ying is. Like, I mean, yeah. I cannot like her running things that way, but she also got cut apart by a Nazi. No, I mean, fair because enough. Her she's had a lot of trauma. Out. She's had a lot of trauma and she's trying to protect people and I get that. Yeah. But, but I don't it's, love it. It's a little, there's a darkness there. Yeah. No, that's fair. There is a darkness there is mm-hmm. absolutely a statement that I would be 100% on board with. Zha mm-hmm. Ying is clearly evil, not so much. Okay, she came off to me as evil from jump. Oh, no, look. I mean, some sinister shit is happening. <laughs> I'm only arguing with what yeah. we have right now that with, she's not evil. Okay. I fully right. expect there to be a full-bore nonstop heel turn. <laughs> think it's a heel turn i think it may be maybe a heel angling like she this is she's not okay, a face that's fair. she's not a face i now i now have a research question so we're borrowing <laughs> from still dead uh, <laughs> yeah. i have a research question is there something between a heel and a face i will find out and report back i'm a spleen i don't know i'm not sure but yeah but, <laughs> well, I, I, not literally between <laughs> 
I I don't know. Like the wherever the the middle zone is, I have no idea. But yeah, but that's that's definitely something to look into. See if we can pull a um some kind of terminology for that. But um but anyway, so we have like Jai Ying, you know, sending Cal away, not telling him the truth, not caring that he is going to lose his shit and like murder a bunch of people in downtown Minneapolis, you know. Um, but Sky's decision to go with him, I think, is really nice. I love Strong. this is the stuff that I love from her. I love that she goes with him. I love that she wants to um, to make it easier for him. I love that after everything he did, after the way that he frightened her, after the way that he tried to kill Coulson, she still has empathy for him. When she talks about how, you know, I broke laws, I did things just to find a little bit of information about people I'd never known and I didn't meet, I didn't know what I had lost. He knew what he had lost. Yes. Like yeah. that whole thing, that whole empathy that she has for him, I think is a really wonderful character note for Sky. Um, I love when she bumps into the guy on the sidewalk and then she steals their phone and yeah. they turn around and they're like hey you know she's like no I bumped into them I'm sorry and Cal's going you know and you think it's this moment where we're just illustrating Cal being you know dangerous right and, and then as it soon is. as Cal goes in it is it is also <laughs> that but it does more than one thing and good writers can do more than one thing yeah. at once which is really really great and then when he goes in to get the ice cream and she pulls out the phone and calls Shield and dumps it in the trash so that they can track so that they can protect people from Cal when this when inevitably he discovers that he's not going back with her um I love all of that I think that is so fantastic it's such great stuff for Sky it shows her empathy it shows her capability um you know we're seeing her work with her powers like this is where Sky becomes like a character not just that I'm like okay fine she's there but um but that I'm really actually interested in yeah I agree and mm -hmm. and I'm throwing out a whole bunch of stuff that I feel is only half earned or not earned at all. So it's worth yeah. saying this is a big turn for Sky, but yeah. let's remember that just an episode or two ago, Zha Ying had to just beg her to have one dinner with yeah. Cal, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then she did, and Cal was chill because he knew yeah. that was what was going to get him more access to his daughter. And as yeah. she, in that process, she finds out all these other details. And the yeah. fact that she started out as hell no. But the mm -hmm. mother she never knew was like, just give me one thing. And that one thing put her on the path to here. That's earned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is an earned shift in perspective. Yes. And I really yes. like it. I really yes. like it. No, it is. It's really, really nice. And Cal, Cal through this whole thing is like, my favorite. I love when he's going to leave and he's like, would you like to put in an order? Gossip mag, soda pop. Do you like Funyuns? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, dad Cal is my who favorite is thing. a psychopathic murderer <laughs> pretending to be a sitcom dad because that's the only context he has no, of a teenager. I don't think he's he's pretending. trying to be a sitcom dad of a teenager. Right. And I really like it. I mean, it's just more Kyle McLaughlin killing it. I think this is part of who he is. Like I think he is genuinely uh, both this guy and a monster, but he can't help the monster. I mean, he's, you know, he's Hyde, right? In the comics. Yes. Which is yeah. something that, like, he did to himself, but it's also something that's a little bit hulky. It's a little bit out of his control. You know, he if he gets mad, then shit goes down, and he tries to Okay, I don't want you to go it. too far there, because I think it's worth remembering, and I'm curious what they do with Cal in the show mm -hmm. as far as this stuff, but yeah. Hyde injects himself with that stuff. And yeah. At Zabo, I should say, injects Zabo. himself mm -hmm. with the Hyde formula and yeah. and has made it so that he always has a device on him that will let him re-inject it. Mm -hmm. He is choosing it every single time. 
I think that there's an argument to be made for that. Absolutely. No, um, here I don't know what they're doing. Right. Th- like, there's there's an argument to be made for that in this, but but at the same time, like I think that he is genuinely both of these things. This is who he wanted to be. Yeah, like he's 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 made a lot of really bad choices. He's aware of the choices that he's made, you know, and he's aware when he's getting angry, you know, like he he understands what he is. But I think also I think the Funyuns thing, I think that's genuine enthusiasm. I think his best day ever. I think that's genuine enthusiasm. Um, You know, when he's talking to uh, to Sky about all the things that he was planning and then he has this very sweet moment where he says memory lane isn't always that fun to visit, Um, you know, so sweet sweet and then he's like come on i've got ice cream on the brain and it's just it's so incredibly cute and i love this whole bit that he does where he's like bookstores dead video stores dead old-fashioned ice cream shops dead the internet killed everything and friends the internet may have killed borders blockbuster (laughs) and apparently old-fashioned ice cream shops but one thing the internet brought you is chipperish media <laughs> and shows like Still Pretty about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, hosted by Lonnie and Noelle LaCroix, Still Dead about Angel the Series, hosted by Lonnie and Dr. Kelly Jones, and our Star Wars podcast, Metaphors Be With You, hosted by Rob Hybrid. What makes Chipperish Media possible is the support of generous listeners like you, whose monthly donations make everything we do available to everyone free of charge and ad-free. You can't wipe out ward-level bad karma by donating to Chipperish Media, but if you've got a few bucks a month you can throw our way, you can sleep well knowing that you are the reason Listen Up A-Holes can continue to broadcast from our secret underground facility. You also get access to our Discord chat, where really smart people who love stories go above and beyond what we can viably discuss in our shows. And you get exclusive content like Two Host Minimum, our upcoming patron-exclusive podcast where we mix and match Chipperish hosts to talk about patron-requested movies, books, and TV shows. Thanks to everyone who supports Chipperish Media. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out how you can become one of the good guys. Yes, without any ambiguity, without any Zabo hide ambiguity. No hand-waving script doctoring. Exactly. You're a good guy right there. Just, just doing a good thing. <laughs> All right. So we have this whole like wonderful, you know, interaction with Cal and Sky. And I think that Sky's fantastic. Like, I really love her in it. Cal is really wonderful in it. Um, so I, I, I and then we get this moment, right, where they go into his office and it has Johnson on it. Right. And this is the big moment, like the big reveal, like people who knew what was going on or who knew the comics. This must have yeah. been really huge for them when he, it says Johnson. And then he goes, I changed it to something more sinister when I went on the run, which of course is where Zabo came from. But I don't think we ever actually say Zabo in agents of shield. Uh, if we would have, I would have noticed. <laughs> right. We know he's Zabo. And actually, if you look in um, like IMDb, it says Cal Zabo, right? But we never actually. Have. So this is one of these things where where the intersection of the um, the comic universe and the cinematic universe, you know, like this this Easter eggy, you know, reflection of each other is really really fun. And for somebody like I didn't know, you know, the first time I watched this, I had no idea who Daisy Johnson was. I mean, I'd heard a little bit, like somebody had mentioned it to me or whatever, um, but I really had no idea. Um, and I didn't know anything about Zabo or Cal or like any of that. But 
after having gone through, you know, all the four color facts with you and learning all these things about the story to see that there was really cool, you know, and I liked that. So, and you had been somewhat spoiled about, about Sky being Daisy Johnson and being Quake and everything. I had, and mm-hmm. I honestly can't remember how that happened. It's probably me. <laughs> no, maybe. I, I feel try like not it was... to spoil, but yeah. No, I feel like it was something that I absorbed along the way. Because it's not like Quake was a huge character to me anyway. Right. You know, like she was in stuff that I read and I enjoyed, but I Mm -hmm. read it well after it was originally published. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely like she was she was sort of like a like a pit stop on the way to the more interesting stuff going on in the story, which is not about her. It's just Mm -hmm. the stuff I read her in. They weren't Quake stories, really. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, they were Nick Fury stories with my sidekick Quake, you know, Uh. (laughs) Um, I mean, that secret warrior stuff. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I did. I did know. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting that this is like an Easter egg you got to enjoy that I super didn't care about. Right. Like not not in a not in a negative way, just like, uh-huh. oh yeah, okay. You know. It was retroactively fun for me. Like yeah, because yeah. I'm learning these things about the comic universe that I of course had no idea about. And as I'm learning these things and I see these references, for me it it adds like a little level of something for it. But I think about like the people who knew what was going on when this was airing or who knew the comics really well when this was airing must have been like, Oh my god, it's Daisy Johnson. And then she says Daisy Johnson and you put it comes together. I mean, Melissa Tancheron is on the label as mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. that they called her Sky and like smoothed over this Daisy Johnson reveal because they didn't want serious viewers like the people yeah. who would know both the show and the comic book uh, to know where they were going with her. And to run out on the Internet and spoil it all. Yeah. 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 So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that that's kind of interesting. And that's honestly, that's more work than the MCU typically goes to. Mm-hmm. To cover up its influences. You yeah. Know? I mean, in yeah. fact, like you've heard me complain on Guardians of the Galaxy about source tourism. Like we're just going to drive by this thing that was actually <laughs> important in the story and is not right. important here. Yeah. So yeah. to see them actually go to this effort. Now, I think I mean, I, I don't want to go definitive to this, but I think the last time that there was like a real effort to keep mm-hmm. stuff quiet was the reveal that the Winter Soldier is Bucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. those of us who read the comics knew and there mm-hmm. wasn't like a big, now all you guys be quiet going on. But I mean, I can remember gasps in the theater, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, it's 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 cool that the creators knew that they were going to have to work around the nerds a little bit to make yeah. it a real surprise. But they weren't shitty about how they had to work around the nerds. Yeah. Yeah. And they that's took their a way time that happens too. too. Because, yeah. you know, we have that whole first season with Sky where we're just like looking for her parents and there's all the, but we don't really get into this until we have her transition, you know, go through the mist. Yes. You know, and quake out of her cocoon. And then suddenly it's like, and then people, I think at that point, were figuring out that she was quake. You know, yeah, um, yeah. but it's it's really cool to have this moment where she's like Daisy Johnson and she sort of like picks up that sense of her own identity. And then they go into the office and he pulls out the medical kit. Oh, and he's man. like, this is the kit that was my my, you know, father's in World War Two or whatever. And this is the kit that I used to put your mother back together again. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so dark and traumatic. Um, and, you know, and we come from we bounce back and forth in this space with Cal where it's almost cartoonish and, you know, and funny and then like deeply heartbreaking. And Kyle McLaughlin manages to hold that span 
I mean, so he really well. does. Yes, He's fantastic. He he really is, and that's mm-hmm. that's why I say. He's like a sitcom dad. Like he yeah. doesn't know what else to do. Yeah. And the reason he doesn't know what else to do is because of this deep, dark trauma. Yeah. And and we can just let that sit. Like we can just let the cartoon go mm-hmm. until we get a glimpse of the deep, dark trauma, which does not make the cartoon more cartoonish. It makes it yeah. worse. Like we feel terrible now. It makes it heartbreaking because you see yes. how how there is a part of him that can access a lighter existence, but he has all this weight and this darkness on him. And I, I absolutely love the way that this character is drawn. I love every moment with him and a lesser actor would not be able to pull that off because that is a whole spectrum of existence, you know, within this one character um, that is, that's gotta be so hard. I can't even imagine he does it so beautifully. Um, and it is, this is the, this is the show where I fell in love with Kyle MacLachlan. Like, I just absolutely love him in this. Um, and you know, and also I will say, I will admit that when Lincoln shows up and, uh, he slams him into the wall, Hooray. I like him even more. I'm oh, like, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yes. And then we have that stupid, and I swear to God, just every TV show, every movie, every, everything. When we have two people that we're going to get together and there's like a little bit of romantic tension there. And then we have something happen where they fall on the floor, one on top of the other (laughs) in a sexual position. And it's like this awkward moment where they look at each other and it's like, oh, we've been thrown into the, you know, just stop it. Just stop. I hate that so much. It's the worst. It is the worst. Mm -hmm. And I think it's extra bad here. Yeah. Because I'm going to say something controversial. Um, As fantastic a group of storytellers as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. largely assembles. Yes. They apparently do not understand what romantic tension is. Right. Because every time we're supposed to have it, we do not have it. Yes. We do not Scully have it. Scully and Mulder, these two are not. You know? No. Um, For one thing, yeah. it might be nice if you set Sky up. First of all, first of all, heads up. Mm-hmm. You know, you're finally getting to it at the end of the second season. But, you know, heads up. If you want us to care about the romance of two characters, maybe make one of them an actual character. Right. Secondly, maybe hook her up with somebody who isn't terrible. Yeah. You know, somebody we don't hate from Jump. It's, exactly. Yeah, it's weird. No, he's got he's he's floppy haired douchebag all over again. It's this guy who's like cute and charming and smart and oh, he's a doctor and like all of this kind of stuff. And it doesn't matter because there's nothing in his character that makes him interesting at all. So um, so they have him follow her. You know, um, he's apparently top lieutenant for um, for Zhai Ying. Yeah, you know, I, guess. I guess. I uh, guess. Whatever. Um, so all of that stuff. There's some hand wavy. We may have mentioned there's a little hand wavy script nonsense. <laughs> But then we have this, you know, like this great reveal, right? Where we've got, um, we've got May and Gemma hacking into Mike's eye and seeing Coulson working with Ward, right? And yeah. then like Sky coming around the corner at the space and also seeing Coulson working with Ward. And nobody is like, oh, my God, like, what the hell happened to Coulson? Nobody's like, okay, I, I cease to trust Coulson now because he's working with Ward. Like... It does. It seems like this. The way they reveal it for both of these instances is really, really good, and we do nothing with it. Nobody has a WTF Colson moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the closest you get is that at Shield HQ, you definitely get a May and Gemma side eye where they're like, "Well, shit, that doesn't look good." 
Yeah, exactly. But they're more worried about the other people in the room. Right. Seeing it. You know, they're not worried about what Coulson's up to. When Coulson comes back and then strikes a deal with Gonzalez that involves taking Ward on a mission and all of them on the bus together, like, you know, nobody's having this moment like, okay, Coulson, let me see, after you lied to us about it, especially May, after you lied to me about everything, after you lied to me about my ex-husband, after there's this theta protocol thing you didn't tell me about, you're doing all this stuff, then you run off and you're working with Ward, like... You know, there should be at least a moment where somebody says, hey, Colson, take five seconds here and explain yourself. <laughs> I'm going to need to see this flow chart, sir. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to need some receipts because, Colson, this is not OK. You know, um, but instead, you know, Ward comes back. Everybody's like, well, Colson says it's OK. It must be OK. And everybody's on the bus together. And we have this whole moment with Ward. Right. You know, where they're on the bus and Ward is like, all right, I just really want to, you know, address the elephant <laughs> on the plane. <laughs> and then he's like, mistakes were made. And Fitz goes, by you. And Ward's like, and people were hurt. And Fitz is like, by you. And I know that's a reference to, you know, whatever it was. Uh, was it Bush or Bush's people who were like, mistakes were made. <laughs> right. Yes. By you. <laughs> by you. Um, so all of it is, and he does this whole speech and he's like, you know, I have all this regret and this guy's just like, I'm still happy I shot you. <laughs> and at that moment, I'm like, all right, I love Sky. <laughs> yes, yes. They're they're mm-hmm. giving me some reasons, you know. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And then, of course, we have this final, you know, moment on the bus, right? They all escape on Zephyr 1 as the bus gets blown to bits. This, like, iconic setting of that team together. And we get them back together before we say absolute goodbye to that bus and blow it up. Um, I like that. I feel like we didn't, you know, we didn't spend enough time on it for it to really be, like, that impactful. But for me, watching it, like, really trying to pay attention, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, the bus, which is the place where all this stuff happened with Ward. Like, it's gone now, you know? And they've got the Zephyr. But, yeah. Uh, I feel like that could be the subtitle for the latter half of season two. We didn't spend enough time on it to make it impactful. But it but it should have been, though, right? But I mean, it should have been, moment, yes. Right? I mean, that's yeah, a big Yeah, no, moment. I know you'll appreciate this. I immediately, like, it's in my notes, the leverage yeah. maneuver. Yes. <laughs> because this is, Blowing you make us feel for a space, mm-hmm. and the people who live within it, and then you yank that space away. Right. Yeah, it's good. I mean, but granted, they don't do that here. They just, yeah. I mean, they do it, but and they don't And we abandoned commit. the bus a long time ago. Um, you we know, really so the fact did, that, yeah. Yeah. So the fact that we're on the bus together with the old team, and it's the original team from season one. You know, no extras, right? It's just that original team. And um, so, I mean, I think it's pretty cool. Like, I like that, you know, that we have that experience. But, but you know, it's like we don't get a chance to really say goodbye to the bus. But the bus yeah. was really important and was the space where they, they started out, you know. And, I mean, I like the new headquarters. I, I, I like the new headquarters. I like the I, – I love exposed bricks, so I'm happy. You know, it's fine. Um <laughs> It's just fun. Um, but, uh, but you know, I mean, the bus was really important. And when that's gone, it feels like something that we should, you know, notice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you can easily miss it entirely and just not think about it ever again, you know. Um, but then we have this whole, you know, operation that they do. They're going in. They're going to rescue Mike. They're going to rescue. And they're doing these, you know, like operations on Mike and Lincoln. Um, and, of course, then Lincoln's there. Uh, they they sliced into his side between his ribs. You know, nothing that would actually harm his face because we can't have that, right? Um, and his heart stops and, and <laughs> Sky is just like, 
okay, I guess I'll just try to like do this thing. But it sparked too. So like her, whatever she did sparked his electrical thing and was able to restart the heart. Yeah, I was a little confused, honestly, Mm -hmm. in that scene, except now I'm realizing that that was probably more ham-fisted romantic tension. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That her power and his power restarted his heart and gross. Uh, Yeah. No, it is. Ugh. I'd rather watch Ward and 33 be sweet to each other than these two. I it's, know. No, I'm not into it. And Ward and 33 are really gross. But yeah, like, uh, you know, Sky and Lincoln, I'm just like, I don't even care. You know, it doesn't even matter. Although I do, I will say, I love the moment where um, Lincoln is horning in on Gordon's conversation with Raina. And <laughs> Gordon's like, stay out of it, spark plug. And I'm like, you know what? I really just want to call Lincoln Sparky. Uh, Dr. Sparky. <laughs> He didn't go to to four years of Sparky (laughs) Medical School to be called Mr. Sparky. Right. And he's a doctor. He's like 23. Like, I I don't know. When did you? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. No, I I have this feeling that Mm -hmm. we're going to have a lot of opportunity to on mic dislike Lincoln. So I think we are. I think we are. So buckle up, friends. Buckle up, a-holes. <laughs> Any spoilers or whatever. Yeah, buckle up, a-holes. That should have been the title of the podcast. Um, so then, you know, we go through this whole thing. Colson's got his little, you know, side hustle going on there. And May comes in, threatens to shoot him. It's all really wonderful. Then he goes back. And we have this, like, Skype chat with Maria Hill. You know, did you get all the information? Yes, I've got Strucker's location. Did you launch Theta Protocol? We're like, what the hell is Theta Protocol? We're about to find out as we watch Age of Ultron. Um, and, uh, and it's time to bring in the Avengers. And so we're doing this, like, very direct, which was something that we did in the early years of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but after a while, they just couldn't do it anymore. Um, this, like, direct, you know, kind of almost crossover where we're, like, leading into the events of Age of Ultron. We've got Raina's vision of the scepter and um and you know men made of metal tearing our cities apart and all that kind of stuff um so it's kind of a neat little reference but it feels so outside of the world even though it's all part of the same world but like it's outside of the purview of agents of shield yeah yeah exactly i mean to the point where i'm unclear and you can tell me is theta Mm -hmm. protocol basically calling the avengers i think so I think, so I think what the I, hell did he travel all over the world and spend a bajillion dollars on? I, honestly, and this is something, I've seen this show. I've watched it through from beginning to end like five times, right? And I still am unsure. I think Theta Protocol has something to do with what's happening in Age of Ultron. You know, it's launching something that has to do with what happens in Sokovia. But I cannot remember. Every time I'm like, what was it again? I just don't. I don't remember. But yeah, I don't know. We'll find out next week when we watch Age of Ultron. We'll see if there's anything about Theta Protocol that makes any sense. But I think that they explain it every time. But because it's just all so weird and outside of anything that really matters to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I always kind of like, you know, like whistle past it. Like whatever, Theta Protocol. You know, we make such a big deal out of it. You know, and Coulson spends all this time building up to it. But it's not his story. And we don't use it as part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I now have a strong suspicion of what Theta Protocol might be, but it is entirely contained within Age of Ultron, and it is one of the mm-hmm. shittiest parts of Age of Ultron, which is chock full of shitty parts. There's a preview for next episode, Ailes. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> I am going to just put a pin in it until we get yeah. to it. But I have a suspicion now what it might be, and wow, it actually makes it worse. Okay. Yeah, I I remember at the time being like, oh, that's Theta Protocol and never caring about it again because it doesn't really matter. 
Like it's not, and we make a big deal out of it in Agents of Shield, but it's not an Agents of Shield thing. It's a, it's an Age of Ultron thing. Mm. So it's one thing to have, like when they were cleaning up in London after Thor, right after Thor, the Dark World, yeah. and the whole stuff that happened there, and they reference something that happened after it happened. Like that's one thing, but to have it directly interact, like where we had the Winter Soldier and the events of Hydra taking over Agent, uh, taking over Shield, like because that was part of what was happening in Winter Soldier, like we had to reference that, and and that was okay, like because it worked within the, the world. But it's really so separate here, you know. We're kind of like building it up and making it part of the same world, but it's not really about what Agents of Shield is about this season. So yeah, it doesn't, all. it doesn't, it doesn't matter, and I like, and I don't care. So. So I've known in the past what Theta Protocol is, and I cannot rem- I cannot be bothered to keep it in my head or to make the connection ever. So, uh, To be honest, that's the best way to manage everything involving Age of Ultron. So ending on that <laughs> down note, Lonnie, <laughs> what's your favorite part? My favorite part. Best day ever. I love Cal. Everything Cal. <laughs> everything Cal is delightful from his his goofy dad stuff to his really dark trauma moments. Like, they're yeah. just so great. And I love everything about it. How about you? What's your favorite part? Okay. Much to the shock of everyone. <laughs> it's Sky, the yeah. one woman wrecking crew. I love it. That scene. I mean, now. I, I want to inform the scene with how much competency she'd had in yeah. like engaging her empathy again, which if you remember mm-hmm. back to season one, that's what I thought her job was going to be. Yeah, that was who she was going to be. Sure. Mm-hmm. And and so she engages her empathy with Cal and then she's worried about both this new set of people and this mm-hmm. like the world at large. And she yep. steals the phone and she calls and she drops it. She does all this competent stuff. And then she goes into a room and murders two dozen <laughs> dudes. <laughs> Without ever stopping to breathe. She just goes through it. And like guns, kung fu, I think a little powers. Like Mm -hmm. it is. We haven't seen May be that badass. We haven't Mm -hmm. seen Bobby be that badass. And Mm -hmm. to be honest, that whole scene is shot so well. It is a fucking chef kiss, man. It is Mm -hmm. beautiful. Beautiful. It's good stuff. All right. If you enjoyed this conversation, would like to join in, come find us on Twitter. I am at Lonnie Dine Rich and Joshua is at Joshua Unruh. And the hashtag is listen up a-holes. Both Chipperish Media and Pulp Diction Productions are entirely supported by listeners like you who are manipulative, dangerous, deceitful. We have good times. (laughs) Show your support by visiting our Patreon pages or by leaving a great review on Apple Podcasts. Links are in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Listen Up A-Holes. We'll be back next time with our discussion of Avengers Age of Ultron. (laughs) I think that's going to be a fun one. Until then, we've got ice cream on the brain. Best day ever. Sky has Gordon drop her back with the team and the... And the band gets back together for one last trip around the mulberry bush. Wait, no. Or did you mean for that to be mulberry bush? Is that bad? (laughs) Because it's on the bus. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not doing that. Okay, um, you, you go with right, whichever one it. you think is better. I love you, better. so I'll do it. No, 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 no. You I'll don't love... have to. That might be bad. Like, I put nope, that in nope, there, but I think it's more of a visual thing, though. We're doing it because it's a bad because joke. Because it's a bad joke. Well, that's why I like it. <laughs> exactly. Listen, I know. I'm honoring you. I love you. That's why I'm doing it. I don't do dad jokes. That's Andrea's job. I give the A material. Andrea gives the F material. <laughs>
That's how this house works. Andrea like my joke. She'll love it. She'll love it. She doesn't listen to any damn thing I make, but she'd love it if she ever heard it. Okay. I like that I'm going to put shade about my wife in the in the like after credits right. possibly. All right. 